Today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for an avid comic book reader or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. Hey everybody, this is James and Marco and Nabil and this is the Movie Pals podcast, podcast number 52. Today we're going to be going over a mini review of the anime film Ponyo as well as going over the new horror film Midsummer. So without further ado though guys, let's get into what we've been watching. Hey, what you watching? Cool. So shall we begin? Let's start with Nabil this time. What have you been watching, sir? I've been watching some things this time that oh, you guys would be interested in. Good day. Yeah, so, you know, that's exciting. Well, that's a wrap, guys. <laughs> pod over. We got the perfect pod. Sorry. This is the last one. Number 52. You can listen to one a week. That's it. We're done for a whole year. Say we made it. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. I watched uh, A Bronx Tale for the first time. Uh film came out in 93. If you don't know what the premise is, Basically, it's about a father who becomes worried when some local gangster takes interest in his son in the Bronx in the 60s. That's pretty much yeah. the premise. Very simple film. Yeah. Um, it's one of two films Robert De Niro directed. Um, this being his first, apparently. And his second is A Good Shepherd, which I thought was very interesting. Um, and it stars Robert De Niro as Lorenzo as the father. Chaz Palminteri is Sonny. He's kind of the mob boss guy. And um, Lily Brancato who goes by the name, I cannot pronounce, I think it's Calegero, um, a.k.a. C. So he's a son. It's a very it's a very simple story. Nothing too intense. I, I really liked it. I thought it was... Not uh, intense? No, not at Sir. all. Not until the end. Um, I think until the end of the film, it gets like, oh, shit went th- a different way than I expected. Like it's a slow build-up. But it is, yeah. Today. It's a very interesting story, though. I've, I mean, I've never seen it. I've been wanting to see it, but I've never seen what it. What was your uh, favorite scene? Um, I'd say the, uh, actually, honestly, the very end where just there's, I don't want to spoil it for Marco since he hasn't seen it, but, um, where he kind of learns a really hard life lesson and he didn't, you know, and he was still kind of like a a kid and thought he could be a, you know, a big shot, even as his father tried to instill some values in him. And even the, uh, gangster Sonny, which was trying to also instill values in him, uh, he still tried to, you know venture out on his own and realizing well these uh, father figures yeah. are teaching me something it's a it's a very touching film i think especially yeah. for something in that kind of era where where there's a lot of like gangster kind of style films i've only seen the simpsons parody of it <laughs> when when bart gets tired by the mobs and then the, the dad is really much against it and yeah shit. yeah i mean that's it's, it's still very much a premise yeah but um yeah i mean it's it's really more of like a father-son film and a, about a kid who's trying to find his way and looking to different role models and it starts out when he's like really young, like around nine, eight years old, and then um, they kind of jump up to when he's seventeen. Um, so you see kind of two sides of his life um, while he's growing up. And yeah, I thought it was really good. It was a good. I was surprised to see that it was De Niro's first film. Um, so I wonder. I wonder how much first of film directing that he directed. Yeah, there, of course. Yeah, I was like, uh, not his first film. I was gonna say, um, yeah, not ninety-three. Hmm. Um, I was like, you might want to check that IMDb info, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a really good scene where he gets his son from the. Uh, 
the mobsters at one point. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it either, I guess, but he basically shows up and he his son didn't think he would do that. Yep. That's a really good scene. So Yeah. Awesome. So definitely worth a watch mark if you haven't seen it. Uh, my my wife recommended it to me and um I hadn't even realized it was a uh what, what kind of film it was until I watched it and I thought it was I also watched Stranger Things season three. Um, been through that over the um, uh, last week, and I have to say, way better than season two. Every uh, every episode was interesting. There was good cliffhangers. I wanted. I think they focused the story more on the characters that we care about instead of some weird B plots that they were making and C plots, and really good kind of uh, climax too. Um, I, I agree. Fun. I'm gonna chime in here because I also that's also on my watch list or on what I was watching. But yeah, this this is definitely a bounce back from season two. Yeah, and I know some, some people disagree. Some people say that season two is better, but I'm like, are we, were we watching the same show? <laughs> because it seems like every every episode towards the end wants you to keep watching, like you're saying. Like there's no wasted scene in here versus season two where there's a lot of filler, like you're saying, yeah. and the characters actually do smart decisions versus the second season. Feeling like, frustrated, yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's that's not true. And like, I feel like the characters also grow very well. Like, they've obviously learned a few lessons from their experiences. I like how they answer to some of the consequences from the previous seasons. Specifically, Will too. I mm-hmm. like what they do with Will in this. They use him really well in this time. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's going to go in a coma after episode two. You know, it's <laughs> just again, get a comic but, again. But yeah, uh, the, the genre um, switch is pretty cool. Like the way that they, it's like a blend of slasher film ver- and like cult classic movies like The Monster Squad and uh, The Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's also like an 80s action film. Like, er- er- like every episode has its own little like flair to it, which I like. Yeah. It was, yeah, very fun. Um, if you haven't seen it and you're, you know, we're holding off because you weren't a fan of season two, I think that you'll like three, definitely. It's, it's, it's just, it's what you kind of hark back to for season one. Yeah, very much back to form. Looked like that extra half year helped them develop Made the story a, a little better. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I've been watching, Marco. Awesome. What about you, James? What have you been watching? Uh, I haven't been watching Stranger Things. I apologize. <laughs> okay, so moving on, we're going to go on to the review of uh, Ponyo. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I watched a lot of stuff, actually, and just uh, not Stranger Things. Um, I finished uh, Cobra Kai Season 2. I thought it was good. Oh, finally. I enjoyed it. What an ending, it. right? Yeah. Cool little cliffhanger. Yeah, and nice unexpected, too. <clears throat> like it, le- it builds up to something that w- could have been foreseen, but not really. So Yeah, definitely. And I, um, I'm looking forward to Season 3, if, if it's getting a Season 3. All right, so the uh, movie that I did see, though, was the uh, Long in Gestation film by uh, Terry Gilliam, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote, which was a uh, super limited release last year, and that stars Adam Driver and Jonathan Price. And some of his, I think I think the, the best part about this is if you know the history of this movie is that uh, Terry Gilliam's been trying to make this movie for, like, 25 years. Oh, my God. It's gone through, like, three different Don Quixote's. Like, the other two, like, died already and all this stuff. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's really bad. There's all wow. it's, It was like a cursed movie. Uh, one, they had all the funding, and then the whole set got flooded, and they had to Whoa. stop. And he's it's been on and off. So, so it's had a curse, so to speak. Kind of. So this one is set in like it's kind of hard to describe. So like Adam Driver is a director, and he is he basically is reminded of a movie that he directed when he was a film student. 
uh, with there was like a Don Quixote film with uh, a guy named Javier, played by Jonathan Price, who was just kind of like a local guy that he got from the town, and it's like a Terry Gilliam film. So I mean, it's hard to describe. <laughs> you know I mean? So it's weird. It's bonkers. Yeah, it's really weird, but I think this is one of his more approachable movies um, compared to his last couple of films from the last couple of years. So like Zero Theorem, I think, is a um, movie that's not Monkeys too is approachable, sir. I mean, yeah, but that was also like 20-something years ago. I mean, the last like 15 years. This guy hasn't made a movie that's easy to watch. From Dr. Parnassus, which is confusing because technically they shouldn't have continued, no offense. And then Zero Theorem, I think, is really tough to get into. It's pretty trippy. Yeah, I mean, it's visually... All his movies are always visually really good. And I, I wrote in my little review on it, I think Terry Gilliam films, that you either really like his movies or you don't. And I think it's per basis on the film. Because I, for instance, am like a huge fan of like Fear and Loathing. But like, I know people that don't like that movie, but I've seen the movie so much times. I just, it just reminds me of stuff, that's why. Yeah. But on the flip side, I don't really like a lot of his Monty Python shit. I think it's dated and it falls flat, but I'm not a huge fan of all the Monty Pythons either. Yeah. I like Time Bandits, but I don't like Brazil. Yeah. Because Brazil, Brazil, oh my God, Brazil is just too, Brazil reminds me of Zero Theorem. Or Zero Theorem reminds me of Brazil, Brazil, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, I would say that, for the most part, though, I did enjoy this one. As I was saying, it is more approachable, but it's one of those movies that you definitely kind of have to be in the mood to watch it, because it's kind of it's a weird one, but it, it's cool. I, I enjoyed it. It's actually pretty funny. And the way that it is, basically, he finds the guy that played Dan- Don Quixote before, and he goes on kind of like an adventure with him. Because the guy has gone crazy of the last 10 years and thinks he actually is Don Quixote. <laughs> Similar mm. to Don Quixote. Exactly. So it's a play on the whole story itself, you know? Yeah. But it's actually well done. It's well acted. I really liked Adam Driver in this one, too. It was really good. Um, I also saw the new horror film that is uh, the seventh movie in the Conjuring universe. I saw Annabelle Comes Home, and that is directed by Gary Doberman and stars Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, who are coming back from the... Conjuring 1 and 2, and uh, McKenna Grace, Madison Eisman, and Katie Sarif. Uh, this movie was really good, by the way. Really? Yeah. This time around, it takes... Oh, this is how confusing it is, by the way. Timeline-wise, Conjuring movies are like, man, we fucked up. Because <laughs> they didn't start in order. So this takes place uh, during the prologue of Conjuring 1, where the uh, the uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga's characters get the doll from the nurses in the beginning of the first movie. And then basically, it, it takes place during the middle of the first movie, basically, which is after the events of Annabelle from 2014. So do that math. I'm already right. confused. Yeah, me too. I was just like, I, was, I watched it with Mikey, and, I, and we had to break it down. I was like, what goes on in this movie? <laughs> like, what triggers what? Like, where the fuck does this fall in? Anyway, so basically, the doll is home because the um, I their names are escaping me. I, I apologize. The the detectives that took it from the um nurses basically they lock it up in their room which is seen in the first and second movie by the way where they have all their cursed items that is actually based on real life like right. she'd put all this shit in there a priest comes every week to bless the place because it's super evil but so basically the characters go off to do conjuring one right so that's the event and they leave their daughter home and their daughter is being babysat by a girl named um kelly or something like that her name's played by madison eisman and the nice thing about the babysitter is she's actually a good person for once, it's not like one of those babysitters from like those horror films. Is like, as soon as they go there, she's like, "Oh, I can't wait to have boys over and shit. We're mm. gonna fucking trash." Yeah, it just doesn't. Give no, a shit. she's the most responsible babysitter in the world, 
and she actually cares for their daughters like she like puts like she like understands like oh she's like you know she's different because the daughter which is hinted at in conjuring 2 can is very much like her mother where she can see dead people and channel spirits and all this shit basically what happens though is that the babysitter's friend comes over because she finds out that the house that she's babysitting for is the house for the the people that basically uh, what the fucking what's their name the wilsons or some shit yeah i think so right it's something like that sorry i just like they she finds out but she thinks she can somehow maybe use something in the house to talk to her dad who died in a car accident the year prior sure so let's use a bunch of cursed shit okay she's not even trying to do that really though she's just a night that's the naive chick so she uh, accidentally unleashes annabelle by unlocking the case that she's in and basically the whole movie takes place in the house and basically it's a night of like terror basically trying to get the doll back into the case oh, it's just a one day yeah it's just one oh, night that's basically. interesting okay and i think that smaller scope works for this movie though yeah because truthfully it it makes it creepy because it's just like little things around the house it's more of like a traditional horror one with it's not as big of a story as the previous ones where it's like a I mean, it's still like a demon, don't get me wrong, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Good shit. Uh, what about you, Marco? What have you been watching? I've seen quite a few things. Actually, for the first time on the way here, I had to actually pick and choose to see what the hell I would talk about. Oh, I thought you were I was drive watching it in the car. <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn, bro. Swearing all over the fucking place. Just set you my know. phone up, Netflix on, I just knocked some episodes out. <laughs> God damn, Marco. Finished Stranger Things on the way here, so it's fresh in the brain. No. I went to go see, actually with you, James, and our good friend Mikey, Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, yes, we did. So, little caveat here before I get started. Uh, there's no way to talk about this movie without spoiling Avengers Endgame, so if you haven't seen it, I don't know yeah. why you haven't, but... If you're one of those late bloomers, then don't listen to this part of the podcast because, you know, even the trailer ruins it. So I'm not going to spoil Spider-Man Far From Home, just Endgame. So just to clarify. So with yeah, that being good said. Good warning. Good warning. Though. Yeah. That being said, yeah. Went to go see Spider-Man Far From Home. It's directed by John Watts, who returns from uh, doing Homecoming as well. And as you all know, Tom Holland is Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury's in the trailer. Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio or Quentin Beck, and then Zendaya comes back as MJ. So, this movie takes place, obviously, after Avengers Endgame, and it actually takes place quite a while after. It, we all thought it was going to take place the day, like, the day right they, after, they but it's like... it was going yeah, to Yeah, yeah, they do have to throw, it up, it's a throw us off. But it's like six to eight months <laughs> after the events, and... Um, Basically, Spider-Man is dealing with the aftermath of Endgame and also the death of Tony Stark. Yeah. And so he wants to step away from the mantle of Spider-Man for a while and go on a little literal vacation away and enjoy himself as Peter Parker. And that's basically the ba the basic plot of the movie until some shit happens and he gets dragged back into this whole mess again. Yeah. I really liked it. I loved it. I thought it was a solid sequel. It was a great follow-up both to Homecoming and also to Avengers Endgame, which is a big bar to to you know to meet. Like the bar was set high. So I felt that it accomplished its mission as well as setting things up for phase four. I think that Spider-Man, aka Peter Parker, dealing with his alter ego and having to fit a normal life in is akin to Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi one. But I felt that this one was done a little bit more realistic and the performances were so much better. Tom Holland is just such a talented actor and it he really shines and it really shows. There's a very emotional scene in the movie where it all comes crashing down on him because he's basically 
running away, literally running away from all the consequences up until this point. And then finally he sees that he has to face it and deal with the fact that, hey, he is Spider-Man. Samuel Jackson, um, what little was what, that he was in the movie, did a pretty decent job in it. He was just sort of like a side character. Quentin Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio, played by Jake Gyllenhaal, I felt like stole the show. Yeah, Every scene with him was just fucking fantastic. I thought he was a perfect cast. He was good in the trailer, and he was even better in the movie. Um, I like what they do with Zendaya in the in this movie. She's not just a side character, and she's not just love interest. She's a true character in herself. She has a very charming performance. Like She has her little quirks that, that actually make her character even more likable and believable, and I really enjoy that. Even though it means that Ned... Peter's friend has to take a back seat in this story, but it worked for the story. I'm trying not to spoil too much of the action stuff and all the consequences because there's a little bit of a twist in the middle of the movie and it's a little obvious, but for those who aren't too keen on the eye, then you probably won't see it coming. It's but, like if you've never seen the Spider-Man animated show, I guess. Yeah, or read yeah. a comic or... It's in the intro of that show, for God's sake. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, overall, like it, it just worked as a solid story. Uh, I, I liked the action. What I did saw, what I can talk about, is that the, the graphics, the CG worked in this movie. Uh, I felt that all the fight scenes were very interesting, especially the ones that they don't show in the trailers. I think that those scenes are what steal some of the show because it's very much different and it really come it really brings spider-man to life which is one of the things i enjoyed so i highly recommend it obviously if you're a marvel fan if you're a fan of spider-man or if you want to see how the rest of the mcu is going to go then just go see it it's just great i liked it what did you think about that too nibble yeah i saw it from you guys separately um but I thought it was great too. I totally agree, especially the visuals. It, I was surprised at how um, well they did with the visual effects that they had over there. Was particular, there's a particular scene that they show that is like gets a little trippy, kind of like Doctor Strange esque um, yeah. when you first see it, and it's like, wow, like the rest of the film is kind of what you think it's going to be when it comes to like CG, but then this kind of. I see the budget went right into the scene. <laughs> yeah, really and like good. some people had an so. issue with you know oh, CG villains, blah blah yeah. blah. But it's like, dude, it's with like these every, characters, every yeah, this is what it is. CG, bro. You gotta kinda... you gotta play into the make believe. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to do these characters yeah. with CG in it. I mean, they come from fucking comic books. Come on, yeah. some dude tripping on acid came up with this. <laughs> no offense, Stanley. Sorry, but what, the only things that I didn't really like was probably parts of the beginning. I felt that. It was the pacing is a little slow. Yeah, a little yeah. slow. And they it did was... say they edit a lot of like some of the stuff that's in the trailer is not there because they re- I think they realized the pacing was a little slow and they tried to edit it to to make things move a little faster because they did cut some scenes. I will say I, I did like it overall too. It's it's one of those movies that still is a, it's a smaller scale film yeah. overall, yeah. and the Spider-Man films have been doing that. But I and I I do like the post-credit scene. I think that's I one of the too. bigger. Yeah. Which, that's gonna be one of the bigger a good like, lead-in. Yeah, lead-in to other things and also kind of a can change how Spider-Man's character is going to be going forward. Absolutely. Also, for anybody who hasn't seen a Marvel film for some reason, um, just remember stay that you end. should stay till the <laughs> end. Yeah. I mean, they've done like 22 of these films already, guys. Right. So like, they were like, nope, I'm good. People are just walking although, so, out. Although some people just watch it on YouTube the next day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, yeah. So just, I'm just saying. It's, it's right there. Just yeah. give yourself, give the guys a, uh, five minutes to say their credits and then, you know, see the scene. Yeah. I think it's I, I, I appreciated it that uh, they made, did some callbacks to previous films too yeah. leading up to kind of like explanations of what's going on in this movie mm-hmm. 
And it just shows you that although Tony Stark was a great guy, the, like the last two villains of these last two movies have been disgruntled ex-employees. Yeah, it really tied. <laughs> they definitely did a really good job of tying it into yeah. everything else of yeah. the of the universe. Yep, definitely. Aside from that and Stranger Things season three, I also finished and caught up to the Orville. So I finished season two and. I really loved it, and for those of you who haven't listened to our previous episodes, this is the sci-fi adventure comedy show created by Seth MacFarlane, and it's very Star Trek-ish, but I like to think of it as Star Trek The Orville, because it pretty much really is a Star Trek show. The social commentary presents itself so much better in this season, and is more akin to, even more akin to The Next Generation and... Deep Space Nine than the first season. They obviously got a bigger budget, so the graphics improve. And Seth MacFarlane really delves deep into the crew and the characters and pushes them forward as far as their growth. And I really appreciate it. Every character of the crew gets at least one episode where they lead the show. And something, some sort of consequence happens that changes them and they end up from point A to point B. Um... It's just a, a great representation of our modern era, modern society. And they do everything from challenge things in sciences, in religion, in pseudoscience, in uh, social constructs, and really present them in a way that make you think and really kind of uh, question things and open your eyes. And I really appreciate that. The characters of uh, Captain Ed Mercer, played by McFarlane himself, and also his first mate kelly grayson played by adrian palicki are really great together they have excellent chemistry similar to how picard and Riker did and just huge kudos to adrian palicki she actually takes a spotlight a lot in this second season and she just does an incredible job it's just so good to see her dynamics shift from someone who can be really funny to someone who can actually show her emotions and um present them very well Two episodes that really stick out. Uh, one is called Identity. It's a two-parter. And it I I think it's going to be running up for an Emmy. Or there's oh, wow. rumors that it's going to be running up for an Emmy because of all the, the social commentary that it touches upon. And how it changes one of the characters dramatically. And it's really cool because you don't see it coming. Um, and another one is Lasting Impressions, which is one that actually looks back to our time and our era. Which is pretty interesting. It's a very touching episode. And... It really gets you in the feels. Uh, it co-stars um, one of the characters from uh, Gossip Girl, the one who plays Blair. Only know because I, I know what you're up. talking about. Yeah, yeah, and she does an incredible job in this episode. It's one of those that just kind of like really gets you, like I said, in the feels. So um, if you haven't checked out this show, it's one of my top favorites. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's on Fox, and if not, you can catch up on Hulu as well. But if you're a huge fan of Star Trek or any sort of sci-fi, like I've said before, this show is very entertaining. I think you'll like it. So, yep, that's all I've been watching. All right, awesome. Let's uh, move on now to our mini-review of Ponyo. Mini-review, 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 mini-review. Never know when you'll meet someone. A goldfish. Who will change your life forever. That was weird. Mom! A goldfish! 
saved her. She sure is pretty. Don't worry, I'll take good care of you. I think I'll call her Ponyo. Okay, so the IMDb uh, description of Ponyo is a five-year-old boy develops a relationship with Ponyo, a young goldfish princess who longs to become a human after falling in love with him. This is directed by Hayao Miyazaki, and this stars Noah Cyrus as Ponyo, Frankie Jonas as Sasuke, Tina Fey as Lisa, that's uh, Sasuke's mom, Matt Damon as Koichi, as uh, that's Sasuke's dad, Kate Blanchett as Grandma Mary, Grandma Mar, sorry, and then uh, Liam Neeson is Fujimoto. And uh, start with you, Debo. What did you think about this one overall? Oh, and, uh, sorry, just to sorry, I forgot to preface. Um, so after talking through episode fifty, we decided. Why not finish all the rest of the Studio Ghibli films, by <laughs> the way? Okay, might as well. well. Because we'd already seen, like, a lot of them. I want to say, like, six or seven of them, right, guys? Probably more, but yeah. yeah we, did one, we did one of the... Uh, we followed along on, like, two years ago, the Studio Ghibli Fest, basically. So, basically, what we're going to do now, though, is we are going back to go to the other films that we didn't do since we stopped doing it out of nowhere. Well, the fest was over. Well, the fest was over, and then when the next one started, I think we were really busy doing other movies and reviews. There was a lot of big movies. Yeah. yeah. So we, we were like, well, I guess we'll just take a... Uh, but our plan was to always actually always do them, because technically yeah. every fest, they don't repeat too much, so we made up we made up our own list for the last two years we missed. It's like every time we saw like commercial for it or anything, we'd yeah, be like, we'd dude, like, guys, we got to do this again. Especially because you guys haven't seen all the Studio Ghibli films, and I think it actually is very beneficial to see them all. They're all very unique in their own way. Yes. I'd say I've seen them all, obviously. And I've seen most of them, I yeah. want to say, right? And then Marco's probably seen the least out of anyone. So if anything, Marco's probably the most freshest take on everything. But um, back to our review of Ponyo. Uh, Nabil, what did you think? Um, I just I just want to mention that I didn't realize that Matt Damon um, was a voice actor <laughs> in here because his character says like three lines. And that's crazy to have somebody like that on there. Says the power of Disney slash Studio Ghibli, man. Yeah, I mean, that's the power, right? So you want to come in for like a day, maybe? <laughs> yeah, maybe an hour or so, maybe? maybe. a couple hours. Um, the film was good. I thought it was fun. Um, the animation is different from the other ones that we had seen. This did come out in 2008, by the way. Yeah. I'd say this is one of the more newer-ish ones. This is the first one they did. The in... film originally came out in 2008? Yeah, this is from oh, okay. 2008. Uh, this was all hand drawn, unlike like um, Howl's Moving Castle, which had CG in it. This one had no CG. Okay, so they went back to a traditional art style. And I, I will say, I wasn't a fan of this particular art art direction that they went. Um, Is it because you saw it on DVD? No, I, not at all. <laughs> I was gonna say, bro, no. I, on 4K, yeah, it looked it's like fire, bro. <laughs> I'm glad I'm having the same experience as you guys. Sorry, um, no <laughs> limited copies, guys. <laughs> But that's not even it. So um, James gave you the version of the year that it came out, the 2006 <laughs> version. Oh, this looks like shit, guys. So wait, you didn't like... No, I, 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 no I, I know what you mean, though. It is a different type of it's, style. It's different from what I've seen from the other um, films, and that's what I'm comparing it to. Um, specifically, the film that's very heavily based on water. Um, I didn't... I just... It, I thought it was kind of a weird direction on how they were drawing water, kind of like bubbly orbs a lot of the time i, I just found it's funny because that's the segments that hayao Miyazaki himself drew so, really? so uh, i definitely just... didn't get it okay all right wow. um didn't enjoy the waves that were fish okay. no i didn't you? i didn't really get a lot of that i, guess. I don't know why ponyo had a face that's weird um but the story itself i thought was cute um very do you know simple. what it just i mean this is more of a free review that's why sorry i keep cutting yeah. you off but do you know what it's like based on? Like he he was basing he was inspired by the original tale of um, Little Mermaid. The Little, Little Mermaid. Mermaid. Yeah. 
So, which it reflects a bit on it, if yeah. you can tell. Yeah. I mean, even the character design a little bit, yeah, you know, red haired little girl. Yeah. So, I thought it was funny, uh, just the, the way he approached it as far as art direction. But the the story itself, very, very Japanese, but also relatable, relatable yeah. in some concept. I mean, I did find it funny that people kind of just saw this girl that was running on water and it said... Just roll with it, right? Yeah, there. they're just like, like we're hmm. just going to go with this. Okay. Must be a spirit. Uh, I think you guys will see that this is... This may seem Japanese to you now, but there's some that we're going to hit that are just very (laughs) Japanese. It's like, okay, I don't understand that. Especially Pompoko, which is after Pocoroso. You'll see what I mean. But yeah. But overall, not bad, right? Yeah. I I wouldn't say it's like any of my top rankings of the films, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, What about you, Marco? Uh, I'd say yay. I liked it. It's kind of hard not to like a Studio Ghibli film because they're all very unique, like you said. Uh, Nabil, even though I even though I saw it in 4K on Blu-ray, I, I did notice a little bit of a difference in the animation because we had seen so many of the movies. And when I saw that it was made in 2006, I was like, hmm, really? Yeah, that's that's what but I'm saying. It feels like a 90s film. But I, but I think I, it's 2008, so... I, yeah, I but it, but it worked it. for me. I, I liked it. I liked that they were brave enough to, to do a more traditionally animated movie. Yeah. It, it didn't bother me too much. It just gave it more of a different feeling it to me. It still definitely has that vibe of a stupid Ghibli film, though. Oh, oh yeah. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Like, the theme of nature, too. A strong female protagonist. Yeah. Uh, the animation art style. Anytime there's food, they're always very oh, dude, descriptive. I fucking the, love yeah. the food scenes in all the like, studio oh, Ghibli films. Too. I'm like... I yeah, especially mm-hmm. when they're making soup, and it's like, yeah. man. But I, I like the fact that it was sort of a more traditional version of The Little Mermaid. I caught that right off the bat. Uh, it, I mean, it took me like halfway through the movie to realize it, but the, the line when they said that she'll turn to suds is one that really lit the light bulb for me because I was like, oh, that's what happens at the end of Little Mermaid. Yeah. So... Yeah, I liked the uh, the voice acting was really good. I think Liam By the Mason, way, we we did watch. We're watching these all in English, just so you know, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah no, like no you know, we're disclaimer. We're not. Um, we're, we're not very purists. uncultured here. We're sorry. Uncultured. Yeah, sorry. We're and Bill's like I don't read movies. <laughs> Last time I checked, <laughs> I'm here to watch them with my eyes on my DVD player. Uh, but yeah, I like the voice acting in it. Uh, Tina Fey did a great job. Liam Neeson, like I was saying, uh, Frankie Jonas did a good job too. They did uh, Noah really. Cyrus. They did like Noah Cyrus is uh, Miley Cyrus's little sister. Yes, yeah. uh, they're all and uh, Frankie Jonas is the unknown uh, Jonas, Jonas brother. She's right? a much better actress, even as a voice actress, than Miley Cyrus is. Yeah, I said it. Just saying. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> okay. Actually, yeah. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> so yeah, I like the themes of it. Obviously, Studio Ghibli, like James was saying, they're very much aware of nature and you know drawing awareness of not destroying it and that's saving a common it. theme in all of them yeah, yeah. but it, it works uh i really like the sequence of when ponyo is growing her arms and her legs and she's swimming up and her siblings i'm assuming they turn to fish to they help carry her, her up yeah. i thought that was really cool and animated just great I, I like the water that, and it was that like, has I eyes. couldn't understand what was going on, bro. <laughs> like, well, what's the, happening here? When the water tried to eat Sosuke, it like would just was getting grumpy that it kept missing. I was like, oh, this is that too was funny. funny. Yeah. 
Uh, I even like the mom's crazy driving. I tell, I kept telling was, uh, James, this is child endangerment, but you know yeah. what? It works. I was thinking, I was like, she's not, she's not exactly the safest mom, by the way, you guys. No. She's always angry. That <laughs> she's like, he's like, like ma'am, I wouldn't go forward. She's like, oh, fuck you guys. I'll show you. are like, it's a tsunami. She's like, nah, it's fine. She's like, get in the car, so scary. He's like, mom, we should listen. They're the police officers. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. I'm your goddamn mom. It, it obviously has some weirdness to it, just like most Studio Ghibli films. Um, I wouldn't consider it in like my top ten films, but I I still Damn, enjoy, enjoyed it overall. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe you've only maybe. seen six, bro. <laughs> and so <laughs> how far, the fuck is it not in your top ten? Everything should be 11. in your top ten right now. <laughs> well, I guess top five. Yeah, you're okay, right. There we go. If I'm being honest, yeah, um, I've only seen six of the movies. It, I mean, it it probably be, you know maybe second to last around there. It would probably switch. I don't know. It's just. I mean, I, I like so, I like so many of the other ones that we've seen. Howl's Moving Castle was really good. Uh, I I just have so many. Kiki's Delivery Service is really good. I mean, well, they all have their charm. Ones, like, hands yeah. Down, yeah, they all have their charm. But um, I mean, I did like it. I'm not saying I didn't. No, like it. I I understand. Um, I've seen this movie a lot because my niece watched it a lot when um, she was the age that this came out. So she was like five or six when the movie came out or whatever it came out 2008 in japan 2009 out here so it's been out for about a decade out here it's definitely not my favorite one it's an animation style too nabil i know you're talking about in the mid 2000s they switched up how they did stuff so you're gonna notice like secret world of Ariadne's like this this is like this and even like the wind rises is kind of like this a little bit but the wind rises is a lot more detailed yeah because you and i saw that in theater so mm-hmm. you would know i will say that this movie though i don't i think it has a really weak last half to it after, at, from the point that the place floods and they're on the boat. It's it gets stalled. It's all over bit. the place yeah. at yeah. that point. Truthfully, that that's my issue with this movie. I don't think I it's a it's a lot. Like, oh, he has to prove his love and shit. It's like, whoa, these are like fucking yeah. kids, man. What are we <laughs> <Exactly>. doing here? <laughs> like, there's no way. And even they even the old lady, which by the way, Betty White's one of the old ladies, which is hilarious. hilarious. She's so, so good in it too. She's uh, the old lady that's like, oh, man, they try to put us to sleep or some shit. Mm-hmm. And then um it's just but that's a lot of randomness near the end. Like I get it. That does remind me kind of of like a oh, it's gotta be true love and true, Ariel's but, voice will yeah, come back and no, like, we'll it's true, but but I think like the overall theme as well too, because the way they, they they blended it as far as being aware of uh like nature. Yeah. Mother nature. I th- I kind of like the way it presented the overall theme and message. Cause like for me at least, and this is just my interpretation of it is just like the, the father is concerned. Pointless father is concerned because he calls humans like destructive and well, that they he's overbearing too. And very yeah, protective. Yeah. And it's, but it's shown in a scene where like, it's just trashed in the bay. That yeah, he walks in. exactly. It, yeah. it shows both perspectives because these two children come from different backgrounds. He's a human. She comes from the sea and the sea is getting destroyed by humans, quote unquote. And then yeah. you see that the the love is the fact that these two people, one who grew up in the world of humanity, one who grew up in nature, can bring their two ideals together in and coexist. And I like that because the father even accepts the fact that Suske is, you know, loving his daughter and stuff like that, even though he at the beginning he would see humans as destructive, but you see the good of humans in Suske's mom who takes care of people and stuff like that. So the yeah. overall theme of these two ideas of different worlds that no, you either got to care about nature and then fuck humanity, which is fine. But I feel like they, they convey it in a weird way in the end. Like there's an, they're in an underwater 
underground and the old ladies are there and somehow their youth has kind of come back yeah and it's it's never really fully explained but i mean the, that's the yeah. japanese part of it to me true and they don't deliver on the message that they're trying to do. you i don't think you so either. get it but i don't think they clearly deliver what they were trying to bring across the film like, don't get me wrong it's still not the it worst wasn't done as smoothly yeah. yeah it's not the worst studio ghibli film and it's definitely not the best it's, this is more of like a middle of the road one for me um so it's I mean, I would still recommend kids would probably enjoy this one. Yeah, yeah, I would say like if you're like you were saying, your niece is probably like five or six. So I would say that's probably the age group. They'd probably like what they're seeing. and they all, they Which is weird because I mean, Totoro is made for the same type, but I feel like older people could You could relate Totoro. more with Totoro. Yeah, I feel yeah. the same. So, um, overall, though, I mean, closing statement on it, I would still recommend it. It's still got really good animation. Regardless of what Nibble says. <laughs> and um, I think the voice acting works for it. And, and these movies are not too long. At least this one isn't. No, this so is it, it's a bristly paced one that I overall still enjoyed. But it's not on top of my list. But it's due to Ghibli. I would still check it out. So Yeah, absolutely. If you want the full experience and watch the entire collection of the studio, then go ahead and watch it. Yeah, watch it on Blu-ray probably. Get a better yeah. experience. <laughs> I heard 1080p looks way better. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go ahead now and move into our main movie review of the new horror film, Midsummer. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for like a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. On... Believable. Welcome and happy midsummer. School. What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? All right, guys, so the IMDb description of this one is a couple travels to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer Festival. What begins as an idyllic retreat quickly devolves into an increasingly violent and bizarre competition at the hands of a pagan cult. This is directed by Ari Aster, who did uh, one of our personal favorite films of last year, Hereditary. And this stars quite a few people here. It is Florence Pug as Danny, Jack Rayner as Christian, uh, Wilhelm Blomgren as Pele, William Jackson Harper as Josh, Will Poulter as Mark, Elora Torchia as Connie, and Archie Medekwe as Simon. Uh, starting with you here, uh, Marco, I'll start with you today. Uh, yay or nay? Yay. I really like this movie. It's very much a slow burn, and it's very different than uh, it, Ari Aster's first movie, Hereditary. Yeah. Because Hereditary is more like, I think we mentioned that it's more like a traditional traditional horror horror, yeah when we're talking about it amongst ourselves but this one definitely delves deeper 
and there's it's just filled with so much there's so much imagery there's so much subtext in the story and it it worked for me i think that the performances were also good the level of scares were really good the fact that it takes place primarily during the daytime and it's still able to creep creep you out it's yeah. uh it shows that it was done well so Nice. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Nabil? You know, when I left the theater, I wasn't sure how I felt about it. I, re- I recall this. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, like, moments after the credits ended. Yeah, we were all just kind Nabil of... Nabil stood up, and ripped his shirt off, and then proceeded to dance the dance of the moonlight. <laughs> um, but yeah. other than that, what about you, Nabil? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it felt right at the time. He's like... Uh, <laughs> I mean, his shirt's off right now, so... He held two rattlesnakes in his hands, gentlemen, and he was just <laughs> dancing... And he just, just in, in a the, circle. I was like, dude, this is weird. I, it, I mean, the paganism is, it hits you hard in this one. All while salivating in the mouth. So, jokes aside, though, Nabil, is it something that, yeah, like, I mean, you thought about more? It's a little bit. It's it's a yay for me, I would say. It is very, um, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I just keep thinking about the snakes now. <laughs> snakes. <laughs> Party with the desert animals, bro. Oh, this shit. is how you do it. Sorry. Uh, apparently, people like when we're a little more off of topic. So, whatever. Uh, sorry, Nimbo. Go ahead. I mean, it's it's a yay. It's it's very artistic. It's just like the uh, Hereditary film. Well, did you leave Hereditary and think the same thing, or did you like Hereditary when you first saw it? I liked Hereditary when I first saw it. Um, it's the ending that really tripped me up. Oh, definitely. This film, it wasn't the ending. I wasn't. I w- there wasn't as much as uh, like a shocking thing for me, except for like maybe a scene or two where it gets hyper violent all of a sudden. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know, Nabil. There was there was a few. There, I think this few one scenes where I heard noises come out of you. So is opposite from Hereditary as this opens with a really horrific yeah. um, scene. I think I would say. Yeah, they just when you when you see it, it's just way more shocking. Um, because it's not how the story is being told, but it's kind no, of like exactly. this is what's happening. Um, whereas like Hereditary, it's like something scary is about to happen, but you don't know what it's going to be. True, and I think Hereditary is a little more subtle with how it happens. Yeah, and this one is more like a story, 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 and then wham, right in your yeah, face. Exactly. Like, yeah. And uh, Ari Aster, he likes to really focus on the the shock factor of things. Like when something happens, he just lingers over it and oh yeah it really it's like hey into your brain you're i want like, you to know that this is that yeah i want you to know that this is a disturbing image yeah, like, yeah thing, exactly right yeah and it's it's shot very well uh yeah. for the most part i liked all the actors except for uh florence uh was a pug danny you don't like danny i mean she was okay but I wasn't sure exactly what she was going for for emotions in some sense. I couldn't tell. Okay, I want to talk about that later. So we yeah. will talk I about thought that. she would did great. I, I like the fact that she, for the most part, seemed really uneasy with herself. Was she annoying yeah. you? In some instances, yeah. She comes off. I mean, we'll talk about spoilers. Yeah, yeah. but but overall, I think I think that it was well casted. I like I liked where the story went. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I said, I like the 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 way it was shot. It was especially because it was very bright and light compared to yeah. like most horror films where it's dark. It was very different in that sense. So yeah, I'd say yay. What about uh, you? Yeah, uh, it's a yay for me too. This I if I was to describe it in one word, it'd be like disturbing. Like yeah. Some of the some of the imagery in this one is a very um, it gives you off. It's like a disturbing kind of feel to it all. And I think what I'm trying to say is do. You, this is a movie that almost reminds me of like a nightmare in a way, like one of those movies where 
it seems seemingly normal, but there's a lot of weird shit going on. It's like a yeah. never-ending nightmare. You know what I'm it, talking about? One thing happens, and it just keeps and getting it's, worse. It's like one of those nightmares where you're stuck in it, and it feels like it's it go, days go by, and it's just one of those nights where you realize, like, oh, maybe I'm catching a cold or something. Yeah. It's, like a, it's like a mix of that mixed in with a uh, really bad drug trip. Because yeah. the heavy uses of drugs in the movie, too, yeah. it's like... Yeah, definitely. It really they, makes you feel like you're experiencing this it, trip like, with hey, them. Is this what they're really seeing, or is it because they're doing mushrooms and right. shit like that? Um, I like the casting. I liked everyone in the casting. I don't think anybody really bothered me for the most part. I, I, I mean, Connie and Simon's characters are the ones that are the most minor out of the few, yeah. out of the quote unquote friends that you know. They're the ones that Pele's uh, brother brings from London, and they're like engaged or something like that. And the horror aspect of it is very much like a horror in the light. It's not one of those like. It's hidden in a way. It's a hidden horror in a way, but mm-hmm. it's also still like there's. It's a mystery, but there's still stuff going on. Um, there's like a lot of thematic elements of like it's technically like a breakup film. Yeah, it's yeah. technically like a uh, somebody finding their place in society kind of film. Ari Aster had just gone through a breakup, and yeah, he utilized that when he was wrote, writing this movie. He's like, check this out. Um, so for the most part, though, I I don't think it's as accessible as Hereditary uh, for like general audiences. I don't think some people some people would definitely be put off by the runtime. I think too, it is quite a long movie. But and I don't I, know if it really needed to be that long. It probably could have been about twenty minutes shorter. But I yeah. still enjoyed the parts. But they do a lot of like, I will say near the. Th- the last third of the film there is some kind of repeats of like okay we fucking get it these people are yeah. killing people you yeah. know i mean there's no i mean no spoiler on that not, it's not obvious. much that as much as like the, they focus he focuses a lot on the rituals and it's like i, I and it goes it. on too long yeah it's like mm-hmm. I, but okay, he also okay. did that in hereditary very he true he's like i'm gonna get a bunch of naked asshole people put them in a room like okay we're doing the same thing again mm-hmm. okay yeah he's like check it out and guess what it's 15 minutes long you're gonna see the whole fucking thing <laughs> no jump cuts okay that's cool i guess just jump cuts to the other scene um so overall guys what the as i see this as like a shocking film what did you what was the most i mean no that's gotta be spoilers i'm sorry we're actually gonna jump into spoilers i just realized because it's hard to talk about this movie without spoiling it so very true we're gonna jump right into spoilers if you guys don't want to hear about it just get past uh our little uh intro thing right here it's gonna come up as marco says stop listening to us so So, spoiler section here, guys. Question in. As it's a um, overall meaning, though, what did you guys feel like? What was the conveyance of like the message that they were trying to send in this movie? Because there, there is one. Or maybe there's several. Nabil. Um, I think that it was more just that, like, for instance, Danny, she just couldn't find her place in yeah. her group of friends. She lost her family. Again, we're in the spoilers. I don't even think that was her but, friends, really. No, right? it wasn't. But That's it was like, it's her boyfriend's she friends. Yeah. 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 Like, she was trying to make... She was very submissive for some reason um, and apologetic when she shouldn't be. And um, she was trying to You think she was like that because she's a visitor there? So she was trying to be like... And she always felt like she was tagging along? Yeah, even in the beginning, though, they showed some of the things like she's being apologetic. She's very needy, too. And she didn't need to be that way. Yeah. Um, So I think that this was kind of her finding a way to, even though she was kind of broken, (laughs) um, find her place in the world, like you were saying. Um, where as you can see the other characters had very much their own intention of doing something, whether it was good or bad. Um, they they were living their life yeah. and made those choices where she was almost, to, to an instance, kind of either inserted or forced to make certain decisions until she finally was able to kind of accept her situation. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Marco? 
similar to what Nabil was saying, it's a lot with not with finding yourself and not relying too much on codependency. Because it really seemed like she was yeah. very codependent on her boyfriend Christian and his friends. Like the bill said, she was very submissive, not really thinking even in herself. Like the beginning, they show that like she's very much like always calling her boyfriend and yeah. his friends yeah. are like, "Fuck, you calling her again?" You know? She's also very much dealing with mental instability. She's like depressed. Obviously, she's taking yeah. Ativan as a form to cope with depression, similar to what her sister was going through, and also with coping with loss too and acceptance. It's a familiar theme, kind of. What Ari Aster introduced in Hereditary, where both kind of seem to deal with loss, oh yeah, and moving on in two different ways, yeah. but this one focuses more on 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 Danny just pretty much letting go of that codependency and becoming her own person and yeah. finally finding a true I, happiness in herself. I will say though that I think even I still I think that's what they're trying to convey, but I don't think it fully goes that way because you got to remember Danny was actually somewhat kind of manipulated to even coming to this thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it sounds like Pele really did want to, like... Like, he... I mean, I guess the assumption is that he's going to take her as his mate or whatever, right? I don't oh, think yeah. He, oh, yeah. But I don't think he intended to at first. It was just a pleasant but twist of things. There, if, there even if it, clues. Even if it was a twist, what I'm saying is, like, he already was, like, giving her the hints of, like, oh, I lost my parents. Yeah. I guess they were maybe burned in a fire, too, or something, like... Yeah. Very much the ritual at the end. Uh, actually, yeah, his yeah. the the fact that his parents were were burned yeah, when he was very so young. Maybe that kind of clues into the. I don't fact know if they, they do were, it every ninety years though. They didn't quite like no, but it clues that, that they were yeah. probably probably volunteered as part sacrifices of something yeah. because of what happens. And but there were even hints going on. What like, you were saying, yeah, James. there's. I mean, regardless, even when he gets there, it, it's very much set from the get go that like yeah. he wants her. So they're they're manipulating into giving her that false sense of like oh your comfort of like oh you belong with us and we we you cry we cry too and like every like we understand you so i mean yeah. even though she technically finds her, a place that accepts her she's being manipulated into believing that that's what she wants right. and so. that's kind of what i was trying to say like at even though she seems to at least believe she found something it was because she had to yeah it's almost you know? a false sense of like security like right. she's like these people understand me like oh they're they're making it really Easy for you yeah. to understand that. Unlike some of the other guests, like, yeah, you want to go home? Sure. <laughs> you can, I mean, he's like, she went this, to us a truck and all the people are gone. <laughs> Sorry, they're this not may, This may be going a little too deep, but you could even go as far as saying that they maybe even from the very beginning of the movie where her family dies, they all like die in a, in a murder-suicide conducted by her sister. Yeah. But throughout the rest of the movie, you see this cult basically manipulating events throughout the entire like yeah. camp or yeah. or whatever commune wherever the fuck they live and it makes you kind of think like well if they're capable of doing that what Maybe, other things yeah. have they manipulated there's themes of flowers around where the parents died and where her sister died yeah. uh very very similar to the flowers that they use for their festival and for the rituals hmm. so it's kind of one of those things that's up to interpretation i would assume yeah no definitely but interesting uh so what was like the most shocking moment to you guys uh Nibu? um honestly it it's essentially set the tone for me in the film, um, but it's the very beginning where well, and it's not the very beginning, but like the first fifteen minutes where um, the murder suicide. suicide happens, and you see the scene and you realize, oh, this poor woman's just like gonna be put in the hell. And she's just crying, doing that ugly cry. Yeah, yeah. The, it's like you know what I'm talking about. Real tears there. 
So that I think was was the scene that really just told me, okay, I know what I'm getting into, and everything else just kind of ramped up from there. When when it, like you were saying, it was uh, just throwing it in your face when you go through the story, you're telling the story, and all of a sudden, oh, by the way, here's something for you. It's just like just it's just like there's just so many disturbing images. Yeah, yeah. Even just like the oh, this is the art of a love story. Like no, this is fucking creepy, yo. Mm-hmm. Pele, you're weird, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, you're you're very Pele. You grew kinda... up. Oh, you grew up in a cult. I would have said that in the first like twenty minutes right. of being there. I would have caught on that. You shit. like, oh, it's a cult. That. We're in a cult, right? Mm-hmm. You make the Brothers Grimm stories sound a little more upbeat than uh... yeah, somebody eating people <laughs> in the forest shit. too. Because this seems like the fucking place it would happen. Would be yeah. this place. Uh, what about you, Marco? I would say during the first ritual when the, the old, old couple. Uh, commit suicide because yeah. I guess after they reach age 72 or whatever they they say life ends full circle right but the way that he really the Arias are really focused on the first victim when she just falls and you in slow motion her face yeah. bounces oh, dude, off the so rock nasty. and it's just very fucking gruesome and you're just like oh shit I just saw her eye very, pop very, okay. very reminiscent of the scene from Hereditary where the sister Meets her end. Yeah, and he moved it up to 11 in this yeah, one. It's, like... it, he dialed it up, very much so. And then the husband, the old man, jumps, and he fucking breaks his legs because I don't know why he jumped that way, but he jumps just straight down and completely destroys his legs. And I'm like, wow, okay, we're, we're still going with this. This is just intense. Nice. Um, mine wait. was when uh, Christian decided to uh, tell Josh that he was also going to do the research. Yeah, um, oh I don't. God. It's not really shocking. I just want to point out that uh, Christian's kind of an asshole. That's a piece of shit. <laughs> I thought I thought you were gonna say it's when uh, when Christian eats the pube pie. Yeah, or the, so, the period yeah. juice. Yeah, Ugh. unknowingly. I mean, but he's. I was like, bro, his drink okay doesn't look the fucking same, yo. He seemed okay. With uh, the ritual scene is pretty shocking, but I think still to me, it's that opening scene. That's such a good opening scene, yeah. just to kind of be like, hey, this is what you're dealing with. Because I mean. We learned the 15, first 15 minutes, and as opposed to Hereditary, it's the first like 40 minutes of the movie. Then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, shit, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just creepy, but it, it it's that scene, the scene that you're talking about, those are probably the most gruesome, but even the last scene's like, holy shit. You yeah. Know? They're getting burned alive, and guys are screaming, and dude just can't move. Christian's just like paralyzed, pretty much. Yeah. Like, dude, it's like... I think what makes it even more unsettling is the fact that much like hereditary there's a lot of foreshadowing in hereditary was the dollhouse and this one it's more the murals and oh, the murals the, the stories yeah. that you see in their bunk beds that are just they're, they're ominous like, what a, obviously what a very creepy room i would have been like yo i don't want to stay here like <laughs> you know, yeah this means something yeah like going going back to the the whole pew pipe thing where where you see the whole story unravel on those murals and it's like what the fuck is this and they're saying it's a love story She's putting her fucking pubic hair in a pie and then making him drink her menstrual juice. And I'm like... It's like it's normal here in Sweden. <laughs> I was like, okay. And the then it actually, it actually happens. He's like, is that a fucking pube? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Christian, for being hella white right now, dude. What yeah. the fuck, man? And then he still kept eating it. I was like, damn, he's still eating that thing. He's like, it's not bad, though. That girl bothered the fuck out of me. I'm like, someone tell the girl with no soul to fucking chill out. <laughs> but it's like, the, the minute I entered, I would have entered that whole, like, dormitory with all the murals and everything, I would have just, like, tapped on one of y'all's shoulder and be like, we need to get the fuck out of here right now. Yo, like, and right I, now. What was up with uh, Josh, uh, the guy that was the real, like, anthropologist that wanted to go here with Pele? was like, he knew what that sacrifice was going to be like, too. 
He's so. like, oh, we're really going to see it? Cool. And I would have been like, yo, man, you might want to Maybe warn some the people. guys. Let yeah. them know what you're about to see. You might want to let some people know about that shit because that was a yeah. little intense. He's like, yeah, this is crazy. I got to like write all about it. It's like he's a little too much into his research to not see the, the dangers of it. And it's like, uh, it's kind of bad, bro. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so in this, what would you have liked to see more of and less of in this one? I know it's kind of a strange one, but I think it makes sense. Uh, Marco. I guess, I'm not too familiar with Nordish like folklore or traditions or anything. I just yeah. know very little here and there. So maybe more of like an explanation of like how these rituals but work, I think, what they're doing. I think but they I, do that just to kind of keep you in the dark of like yeah. what to expect yeah. next though. As though like and, you're learning like they are like, yeah, I don't know. Is this shit normal? Maybe that adds to the horror aspect of it is just not knowing like the what the fuck is the point. Yeah. Like I had to read up a lot on like why they, why they did what they did. You know, it's a pagan culture. They're supposedly trying to ward off demons and stuff. And to them, all this shit doesn't seem creepy or cruel but just generally accepted as stringing up a guy with his lungs outside his body doesn't seem cool. That is actually a real punishment. In uh, Vikings used to do that. It's called the blood, the blood eagle, and apparently it was done to someone in the show Vikings too. Because I was like, is that a real fucking thing? And it's really supposed to keep you alive for a while. That's terrible. And you're supposed to because he wanted to leave. (laughs) It's because you're uh, you're doing like. You did something bad. Like, get apparently. rid of Simon. Apparently, you don't get that kind of punishment if you <laughs> pee on your ancestors. Yeah. Actually, he did, by he the way. His, he got so his head smashed, I guess. He got his head smashed in. The guy that's wearing his skin later is the guy that got mad at him. Did you know that? Yeah. Is it? Oh, it's, it's not kid. It's not oh. the guy. That guy's the one that oh. hit him in the back of the head. But the guy wearing his skin is the guy that got, was mad at him. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, I, yeah, creepy, too, if you think about it. Uh, what about would you have liked to see less of? I would have loved for some of the rituals to get cut shorter. Like I yeah. said, I feel like that wastes a lot of screen time. I don't mind the like the visual exposition of the yeah, long no, no. camera angles, the lingering stuff, because that adds more to the psychological stuff. And yeah, focusing on the rituals for minutes upon minutes on end, I guess that does kind of like add to the creep factor. But it, does, it, yeah. it really wasn't too necessary to keep. I could we could have cut ten minutes from that, and I would have been totally okay. Yeah, yeah. I would have still understood like, okay, this is fucked up. Yeah, did we really have to watch the full dance? No, did we really have to watch like him actually the full sex scene? I'm like, dude, I think they're actually having fucking sex. Yeah, I'm weird. Like, I was like, this is weird, man. Yeah, she looks like she's really young. So I was uh, like, yeah, that was kind of creepy. Yeah, I was like, this is weird. Uh, what about you, Nabil? Uh, more of, I think that they didn't quite flesh out the, the, they started out strong with the relationship between Danny and Christian on how their relationship is and where it stands, but the way they were trying to have it fizzle out, I don't think, I, I don't think there was a good enough payoff. I mean, I get what happened at the end, yeah. but I think from a relationship She basically was like, get rid of him. Yeah. I, I just, I would have liked maybe some more argument, maybe some dialogue between them, just something to really show how she's feeling because she's actually pretty quiet in this film. She's, you know, a lot of the characters. Well, because she's like a guest and she's yeah. kind of like tagging along. And like, But oh, I think from like the breakup aspect of things, like just to see that relationship crumble a bit more and what they were doing. But do you guys think it's like because he was going to actually break up with her, but then when her sister killed herself and everyone, he was like, got to stay with her yeah, now. Yeah. Kind of thing. I kind of got that vibe. You, you yeah. see more as you see more of Kristen throughout the movie. You see how much of an asshole he really is. Yeah. I mean, for I think the final nail on the head was when he stole his friend's idea for yeah uh, that for was the like, master's program for the, or for the phd program i'm like dude you really are an asshole yeah 
You know, it's like if you can't even treat the people closest to you with respect, then how are you going to establish a healthy relationship? So, I mean, Josh was kind of weird, too. He he was a little he bit. He was just a little too into it. That's yeah, about it. Yeah, I mean, that didn't do it. If they were like, though. Josh, you want to smash this dude's skull in? He'd probably be like, yes. I think it's <laughs> weird for somebody who was trying to respect that culture that he went to go sneak in to see that book. That was like, okay, that seemed a little. Yeah, but he, he was trying to. I think he was trying to get like a one up yeah, on Christian's I think that's what character. He got a little point. desperate. Yeah. But how he didn't see the fucking guy, I was like, yo, man. Yeah. Right. And then, I mean, just Mark just seemed really out of place here. Yeah. Should have been there. What about you, James? What have you. What did you uh, want to see less or more of? Uh, more of, I would have liked to see uh, more of the character interactions between the friends. Because I think like an hour in, like half the friends are dead already. Yeah. Right? I would have liked to see a little more of their like kind of like... They, they all kind of get separate once they get Yeah, there. they split them up pretty good. Yeah, I would have liked kind of more showing the camaraderie between them. Like they, they leave that airport and get to the place within like 10 minutes. So here mm-hmm. we are. Like, oh, fuck. That was quick. He's like, first stop is here. And I was like, that's it? So yeah, it'd been cool just kind of because I mean I actually like the character of Mark, but we don't see a lot of him. He literally disappears. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I'm going to go take a nap, and guess what? He literally went to take a nap. Mm-hmm. But it's it's almost <laughs> like it was a divide and conquer tactic for the oh, club too. Definitely, it was to split them up, get into their head. But I, yeah. I get that. I just it would have been nice, a little more. I, I agree though. Yeah, a little less rituals in with that, and uh, I agree with you, Marco. Uh, a little less on the those long shots of the rituals. I mean, the suicide one. You, you literally watch them walk up the mountain. Yeah, and it's like, damn, this is like a seven and a half minute fucking thing going on. Or the dinner part of the it. Did part, that need I think to really be needed to shortened up like that long? They're right. like, we have to. You know when to sit. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then they're just you, you wait for you and wait for little people to yeah. like walk up. Like, can you I was like, jog up, I was like, oh shit. Okay, in American film. This would have been like, boom, boom, boom. Here you go, buddy. Those are the old. Then somebody would have been like, "They're gonna die," or someone would have been yeah. like, "They would have already been at the table and they're just waiting for them to take a bite." That's it. Yeah, Not the whole that, fucking walk that was the probably house. like I. I did have some slight issues with the pacing of it because, I mean, Hereditary is only actually only um, like eighteen minutes shorter than this movie, but I didn't think Hereditary had any pacing issues whatsoever. No. Mm-mm. So, I mean, that shows you just like even fifteen more minutes off can really help a movie with just kind of getting it along. And I think that's something where this one probably would have benefited from. Yeah. That's all. Um, so, I mean, we've done enough comparisons to Hereditary between the two, but um, would you guys recommend this overall to people? Any closing thoughts on it, guys? I would say if you are a fan of art film or a very big horror movie fan, yeah. I would recommend this to you because it's not it's not an easy watch. You don't, you don't just sit back and watch this. Like Hereditary, you could do that with, with Hereditary. But with yeah. this one... It's much deeper. Like I said, there's there's so much imagery. It's very much psychological horror, and it really does fuck with you, and it leaves you feeling really weird at the end. It's like a it's a colorful horror film, which is weird to yeah. say, right? Not not to say it's not a good movie. I mean, I enjoyed that. I like I like the fact that it left me creeped out. Like that's what I go to see horror movies for. Like yeah. if you don't leave me with that feeling or feeling scared, then it didn't work for me. But I'd I'd say just for those two reasons, if you're like a huge art film fan or huge horror fan than this movie's for you nice uh what about you nabil i think that this this film has a lot of triggers for people if you're if you're going through some shit or you're a bit sensitive um this might not be the film for you yeah. and i don't even mean that from like yeah. a horror aspect some of those scenes <laughs> if you're already fucked up this is not going to help you yeah yeah i um, about some stuff now yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so definitely oh, you know yeah. be mindful of that it's the very much uh as a psychological thriller it leans heavy on the psychological part of it um oh, definitely so 
if you're a fan of those kind of films, like I enjoy those movies, so that it's it's a, a fun take on it. I think you know it's much different than what you'd probably see in, in more straightforward films. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's something where you you not even like in the traditional gory horror sense, if you're going through something and it, it might uh, affect you, I'd say maybe you might want to stay with like, it. You probably probably should watch this when you're in a good mood. Yeah, maybe when you're in a good mood. Um, but from an artistic standpoint, it's it's a really it's a good. And have a comedy on standby. After. Yeah, right after. <laughs> yeah, close well, yourself. See some puppies or something afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would I would highly recommend this for horror fans. If you're a fan of Ari Aster's uh, previous film Hereditary, I would definitely say check it out. Yeah. Because you're going to kind of already get a feeling for his style. Like I said, this would be kind of a hard watch to go to watch immediately again right now. Very true. <laughs> and maybe don't go see this with your, I mean, depending on your relationship. Yeah, I was yeah, like, don't go see it with your significant other if you're going through a rough patch. Yeah. yeah. It's I not mean, a good date movie. It's it's also a little bit too long to be a date movie, I think, t- technically. But I still enjoyed a lot of it. It's got some really beautiful shots. I thought it was well acted. Yeah. And overall, I do like those movies that make me think about it afterwards. Um, I just can't see myself watching it again anytime soon. It's just really kind of a downer at the end there, yeah. I'd say. And um, But uh, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. It's just a type of... This is the kind of movie it is. So um, Overall, though, I think for the most part, we all enjoyed it. So uh, Definitely, I would say, re- uh, recommend at least, at the very least, uh, if you can't bear watching it in theaters, check it out uh, when you can rent it. So uh, With that, guys, that is the end of our podcast here, podcast number 52. Uh, we want to let you guys know, thank you for listening, uh, for the feedback and response and reviews. Uh, Marco, let them know how they can reach us. Yeah, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at MoviePalsPod. Also, I haven't said this in a while, but please do subscribe to us if you can on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, or Spotify as well. I know we had someone recently ask us if we were on Spotify, and we are, finally. We've crossed that threshold, so check us out on those mediums. And please keep suggesting movies, TV shows, or even topics of the week, because we will listen to you. Definitely. And uh, tune in next time, guys, for episode number 53, our Ghibli film for that one. We will be reviewing the uh, film Parco Rosso from 1992. And for our main review, we'll be reviewing the new Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So until then, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one. Mm-hmm.